48, 48. get to work here. And I can tell you from what we've heard, I think we're going to have a very successful offseason when it comes to free agents. Welcome to the Knicks Bait Podcast. Yeah! Home of the most aggressive takes in all of Nick's Twitter sphere. Yeah! Oh, you're aggressive. Two Knicks addicts were usually three. Dougie Fresh got a sprained microphone. One, two, one, two. D-Boy, what's good? You're... So I think I'm going to have to talk to my therapist about Kevin Knox. Miles Bridges was just too much today. There's too many guys that are too fucking good that were picked like two or three picks after this motherfucker. Yes, bring that sadness in. It makes me feel good because I'm sad, Monty. Shouts out to Cody Zeller making bald sexy again. Oh, yer. Final score, popular early 20th century skiing pants, 118. Aggressive large bees, 109. Walt suit, pew pew pink. The Bockers almost bonked one away to the Queen City High Flyers. We're going to get into quick hits. Quick hits. Quick hits. A game the Knicks deserve to lose, but as they have done all season, found a way. Let's give out some awards. The Kaiden Randall, who's your daddy most valuable player, goes to the bestest box score boy, every casual's favorite Nick, the guy who brought the garden back, Julius Randall. He hit 30 points for the 15th time this year and enjoyed his sixth triple-double of the season. M.I.P. The Dikembe Mutombo finger-wag salute goes to the Slenderman stunt double, Nerland's Noel. The Nerland wall stood strong as he notched five blocks, four in the third quarter alone. The Times Square Peep Show trophy goes to defensive ace Frank Nilakina. His 18 seconds of total gameplay were instrumental on the final play of regulation as his help D on Devontae Graham forced an errant shot and an extra period. Au revoir, sweet prince. The Dunker's Delight, Slam of the Night, goes to the guy picked three spots in front of King Sad Boy Kevin Knox, Agent Zero, Miles Bridges. His thunderous dunk on Nerland's Noel was an exclamation point to the Hornets' comeback. Sad. And the sad stat of the game? RJ Barrett played 27 seconds in the fourth quarter and overtime combined. This day in Sadnik's history, May 15th, 1990, Detroit 95, New York 84. A gentleman sweep culminated in the palace at Auburn Hills. Patrick Ewing scored 22 on 23 shots. Not efficient. An abysmal second half only provided 35 points for the Knicks, and Detroit's bad boys bullied New York, showing them a blueprint for success. A long game, you know. You're gonna pick your spots. It's always gonna come back around. You're always gonna have your, your time to shine. You know, we still gotta ramp it up even more. And then once once we get to the playoffs, it's gonna be a whole whole different challenge. So uh, yeah, just gotta keep going. Development has become a taboo word as Knicks fans fully embrace the idea that we are a competitive playoff team and will be for years to come. The only time you hear that word is in reference to how postseason experience is great for this young core. We all remember when Kyrie went down and Boston found its future in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell have become stars in the playoffs on the backs of their dueling 40-point games, both at the age of 23. This big stage builds big stars and defines careers. 
And I'll go one step further with how this pertains to the Knickerbockers. If RJ Barrett struggles, not only will they be dominated and lose badly, his career will have a starkly different trajectory than if he steps up. I see what you did there with starkly trajectory to <laughs> his career. We do have a little bit of stank in the playoffs for the Knicks history in modern memory, but what just happened with RJ in the game is the direction I don't want his playoffs to go, where he didn't play in the overtime and barely in the fourth quarter. Like, RJ needs to be prominently involved, maybe not plays being ran for him all the time, but seeing him rebound and defend and do all the little things that contribute to wins. I was gonna ask, what does RJ need to do to take a leap? But it feels like that question is unanswerable because it depends on how much Tibbs and how much the system buys into him. If we have nights like tonight where RJ is missing fourth quarters, two games out of the fucking playoffs where we're trying to fight for seeding, it's just ridiculous. It makes me really have fear for what it might look like if we're down and Jimmy Butler is putting the brakes on him, there's no faith. No faith, and I know they want to get Julius Randle going, so they always have Bullock out there with him, but it doesn't make sense in the overall development of your players to just sit on the bench. Or is it? Is that going to help RJ's development watching and seeing the competition? It's so things will slow down in his third year. Everyone seems to think that making the playoffs is enough in and of itself. I think that it's about the moments within it, especially the moments in tight games. We all celebrate Damian Lillard and call it Dame time because he's come up time and time again in those situations. And if we have any hopes of winning a ring with any of the assemblage of this core that we have together, this is the time that is more important than any singular moment that we've had in this entire season. Exactly. These are like two times experience points for RJ Barrett coming up, <laughs> right? It could be his playoff bar mitzvah or quinceanera, right? Like where he is going to say, what's up NBA? I'm one of the dudes now too. Check me out. Does Obi Toppin riding the bench equate his playoff experience? I guess. I'm more interested in seeing how quickly can contribute into the playoffs because he's a shooter. I could actually see him maybe going for 30 before RJ would in the playoffs. Quickly has the ability to be lightning in a bottle and that can strike at any time, but his evaluation is based in points on the board. When Quickly misses shots, he has a quick pull from Tibbs and he isn't able to ride through the streakiness that really is part and parcel of him at, at 21 years old. Right, but I see more of a playoff finish where Alec Burks, Reggie Bullock, and Derrick Rose are the ones finishing games for the Knicks. RJ isn't even a secondary option right now. He's like fucking fifth. Look at all the guys who are getting more weight in tough shots in critical moments. Rose, light that, smoke that. It's time for Blanta. LaMelo Ball, you Muppet head-ass wizard. You make passes every game that make me say, holy shit, that's gonna make the MSG 150. But you also went four for 15 in your Garden debut. Disappointing. Maybe the Ball Boys ain't about that big city life. 
Knicks fans lusted for LaMelo before, ditto for Lonzo this offseason, but do they have the medal for big city life? This possible aversion to the bright light should guide the Knicks front office this offseason. Knicks fans, described by Gilbert Arenas as toxic, demand a lot out of those who don the orange and blue. Whoever they acquire in the offseason better strap in tight. Because to be blunt, there is no bitch acidness in New York City. We hope you all enjoyed your Knicks bait. And always remember, the Knicks turned down the Hornets' offer to trade Mitchell Robinson and the eighth pick for LaMelo Ball.